Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Matthew chapter 6 this evening. We're studying prospering in uncertain times. Oh, we missed it. Oh, well. (laughs) Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6 this evening. We'll begin there in verse 19. We are obviously living in a time in which we are experiencing the, how can you say it, the, uh, the rising up of a one world government. That's not, you know, something that's unheard of. Our leaders even talk about uh, one world government. And uh, we know that it's leading toward an antichrist system. We know that the takeover of the antichrist is not military, it's economic. It will lead to military, but it it is economic. And that in the midst of all of this and all that's going on, the chaos of uh, what's taking place around the world financially, the church prospers. That's what the Word teaches. That means you prosper. I said, that means you prosper. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I believe especially that is true of the end times. I believe that there will be more... uh, concepts, ideas, insights released to God's people. I believe God's people will have favor that people won't even know why. I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm making this deal the way I'm making this deal, but I'm doing that. I don't know why I'm giving you this break, but I'm doing... That's the favor of God coming upon God's people. We're going to see that happening more and more and more. Amen? How many want it for you? How many receive that? It's happening, amen? So we're going to see that right in the midst of all of that. We're going to see it. But there are principles that we must adhere to in the Word of God. And most of the adjustment that we need to make in our lives has nothing to do with budgeting. It has to do with character. Let me say that again. It has nothing to do with budgeting. And if I got up here and said, well, here's how you're going to pay your bills. Here's how you're going to do this, do that. Well, everybody lives a different life and lifestyle. That's really, at the end of the day, not going to amount to anything. But what we can teach on that is relative to everybody is our mindsets and our characters that will help us understand what is going on in this hour and how to make adjustments to it so that we might prosper in all that we do and not be under the gun financially, always freaking out, thinking we're not going to have enough, not going to do enough, not going to be able to to, to go where we want to go, do what we want to do, have what we want to have. We're right in the midst of that. That's when God really wants His church to prosper. Now, Matthew chapter 6, I'm sure that times were tough when Jesus was on the earth economically. For the Jewish people, they were under rule of Rome. They were heavily taxed of Rome. Uh, The tribute was taken. Remember the time when when, uh, the taxes need to be paid and and Jesus sent Peter down and said, Peter, you know, he said, take up the first fish. That must must mean they must have caught a bunch of fish. But the first one had a coin in his mouth that was worth enough money to pay their taxes. So Jesus knows how to get money to you. Amen. So the the, the economic times back then must have been difficult for the Jewish people because Jesus taught a lot about money. Taught a lot about finances. Now here's what it says in verse 19. It says, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt 
and where thieves break through and steal. Now, you can be real secure in your investments. And don't get me wrong, I've got, I've got a little bit of money in the stock market. I've got a little bit of money in some gold and silver. Now, Lee and I have, have collected a, a pretty vast art collection. Uh, I've got a little bit of a gun collection. But I want you to know, uh, uh, things that we gather that have material wealth up on this earth, in, in the snap of a finger, can be worth nothing. Can be worth nothing. I mean, I, I've, I've shared the story many times what it's like to go to a nation in which that nation's currency is worth zero. Uh, when I went to Haiti, I, 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 that was not my first uh, overseas trip. Lee and I had been in China. We'd been in the Philippines. I'd been over in Europe. But when I went to Haiti, I went up to, a, uh, to an exchange window. And I think I, I gave them like $300 in American money. And then they gave me this big, big stack of Haitian money. I believe they were called gourds. And, and, and so I went and, and used it to pay for uh, food and, and a place to, uh, to stay. I stayed at the Holiday Inn for a couple of nights before we went to the place where we were preaching. And so afterwards, when the trip was over, I went back to that same window and turned that money back in. And they said, no, we don't take that money. And I said, well, why not? They said, it's not worth nothing. I said, what? They said, no, our money isn't worth anything. I said, what? I said, then how can I buy something with it? Well, it was worth something in their society, but they weren't going to give me back American dollars for their Haitian money because their money was not worth anything. Now, you've got to understand, that can happen in America. That, ha that can happen in Europe. That can happen anywhere on the planet because our system, our monetary system that the earth operates on is demonic. It's not divine. Amen. When God created the heavens and the earth and placed man in the garden, he didn't put a wallet in his pocket. The world system put a wallet in his pocket. Amen. And when you understand that the world system is the one that puts a you say, well, then I'm going to throw my wallet away. You can't do that. You still have to live within this system. And what we teach does not break you free from that system where you don't have to operate in it anymore. What it does, it keeps the system from dominating you. You dominate it through the system that you live in. So it, there's nothing wrong with investments. I have it, but your faith can't be in that. Your faith cannot be in any investment you make. And here's the thing. Don't, don't, don't put up so much stuff that you, that you live be, below a certain level that you, that you suffer and do without, that your family does without. Don't ever invest in fear. You say, Pastor, I'm so afraid that, that I'll get up in the morning and just like you said, our money won't be worth anything. So I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm buying all the silver I can buy. Every, every dime I can get, I'm turning it into silver. Well, that's, that's fear-based. What if silver's worth nothing? What if they go somewhere and dig a hole and say, look, there's all the silver we need. It's worth nothing anymore. I mean, you know, don't ever do anything in fear like that. People do that. They lay up money in this account and that account. And they buy gold and they buy silver and they buy all this kind of stuff. And they think, if anything happens, I'm prepared. Well, what makes you think that? If you don't have God, you're not prepared for anything. So it says this. It says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Where thieves do not break through nor steal. Just think of your heavenly bank account. 
If every week you tithe and you offer and you lay up in heaven, see, you're laying up. You say, what do you mean? There's no bank up there. There's no, no, God sees your faith. What are you sowing? You're sowing the word. And the more you sow financially, the greater the content, your word content becomes. See, a lot of people have great deposits in the spirit realm, but they don't know how to draw on it. They don't know how to pull on it. So that's why we're teaching this, this series. So lay up for yourself treasures in the heaven. You say, why? Because, you know, that offering you gave tonight, that offering you give on Sunday, that offering you gave last week, there ain't no thief going to steal its value or its worth. No thief can stop that seed from reproducing after its own kind. No demon, the devil himself, cannot say, now God, I'm going to steal that from them. He cannot do that. You're laying up a treasure in heaven. Amen. It says... Uh, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if your treasure is in all of your investments, that's where your heart's going to be. But if your treasure is in heaven, that's where your heart's going to be. If your heart is in the monetary things that you're laying up for yourself, then you have a fear-based belief system. But if your treasure is in what you're laying up in heaven, then you have a faith-based belief system. Fear-based belief systems, listen, a fear-based belief system on that which you store up will limit you. If you don't believe me, look at these people that have gathered for themselves some millions and some billions and live in abject fear. That they might lose a nickel. That they might lose a dime. Squeeze everything so tight. You know, just lay it up. Just, just live in some little uh, beat up place over here. Never, never enjoy their wealth. When I used to travel in, in Europe a lot, especially in the, 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 the main uh, nation that I lived in, many of the families in that nation live on the interest off inheritances that were passed down for over a thousand years. And it was understood in that family, you never touch that inheritance. It's given to you, but you don't touch it. And their faith was locked into that inheritance. Well, things begin to happen. Uh, the euro begin to come on the scene. Uh, the Irish punt begin to be devalued. Things begin to happen. And those inheritances were not near as valuable as they were some years back. And people begin to get real fearful and real afraid. Because from generation to generation, this lump sum was passed down and kept in the bank. And the interest of it was given back to you. And, all, and people were, don't touch that, don't touch that. Their faith was in that money. And then we saw some people break that in their lives by giving and sowing out of that. And next thing you know, God began to prosper them tremendously. One particular guy, it was amazing. I watched him because he was, he was one of the, those guys in particular. And, and he, uh, uh, he just made a decision, I'm going to give. And he gave sacrificially, gave a large offering at a particular time. And within a year, God gave him an idea about growing mushrooms. You know, not the magic mushrooms, but, <laughs> but real mushrooms. Amen. He, he showed him how to build this tent. And with a little bitty, with a little bitty, uh, some deal that he devised, he could control the temperature in this, in this, it was a bubble looking thing. And he, you could get like, like 10 or 12 of these little bubble looking things. And you could put this humidifier, dehumidifier looking thing in there. And you could turn it on and you could produce these mushrooms just like that. And you could have a mushroom farm for less than like $10,000 that would produce hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of mushrooms. God gave him that idea. It was amazing. 
See, when you obey God and you lay your treasure up in heaven, and you're, concerned, you're more concerned about souls and the kingdom of God and seeing people blessed and helped and delivered and set free and doing what God's telling us to do in the earth today, then I guarantee you God will make sure that the revenue streams of this planet will run through your life. Amen. I mean, if he's got to put you by a river somewhere and feed you with ravens, he knows how, how to get ravens to get food to you. We'll study that later. Now listen, Jesus goes into something else here. He says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, the eye Jesus is speaking about here. Remember what your senses are. Your senses are information gates. The eye is an information gate. It lets information in. The ears are an information gate. It lets information in. Your touch, your sense of touch is an information. Your, your sense of taste, that's an information gate. That's what it is. And God's saying, now if your eye, if it's singular, if it be full of light, well, what is light? God is light. The Word is light. If you're focused on God, on the Word, the light comes in, comes into the body, fills the body full of light. But if your eye is closed to the light, and, all, and I hate to say it, but man, I'm telling you, every time you look at the news, every time you look at negative reports, every time you look at all the junk that's going on in the world, did you know you're filling yourself full of darkness? You're not going to make it. This might happen. That might. I mean, here's this report the other day of, and I just broke my heart, this, 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 this beautiful uh, uh, Hollywood uh, woman, so full of fear with a perfectly healthy body, takes her body and allows her body to be butchered in fear of what might happen. That's, ins that's insanity, folks. That's insanity. Well, there's a chance. There's a gene. I might have. She should have got some teaching on faith. Not, not, she's not stopping there. She's going to have another surgery to remove even more. Well, what happens if she gets cancer anyway? which she will because of fear being so strong in her that she would mutilate her body for the fear of what could happen to her. That's darkness. It fills you up. Motivates your life. God says don't let your information gates be open to darkness. Don't sit there in front of the computer and let darkness come into your life. Don't sit there in front of the television and let darkness come. I mean, because what's coming upon this earth, much less what's on this earth, is enough to scare you to death. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's all kinds of crazy crime, crazy people, crazy things going on all around us. But if you stay focused on Jesus, on the Word, on the things of God, on the power of the Holy Ghost, on the goodness of your Heavenly Father, then you are pulling light into your life. It'll affect, every, affect your mind. It'll affect your physical body. It'll affect your peace, your joy. Then he says this. No man can serve two masters. Now he goes right back. Information that's coming in is going to determine how, who you're going to serve. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So if we were going to title tonight's teaching, we would do this. How to break 
money's power from being your master. Too many people, money tells them what they can and cannot do. That is fear-based. That is darkness-based. Well, pastor, you don't understand. Here you are. You've got everything you want. You've got everything you need. Who says that? I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a multi-millionaire. I get a certain set salary. It is set. I don't get anything above that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have uh, uh, enormous uh, stores of wealth. I don't write books and sell tapes and gather tons and tons of money. You know, Lee and I, we watched something phenomenal in our field ministry. I don't know how it happened. I, I, I guess just through our faithfulness. But, but uh, right at the end, before we made a decision to start Island Church, we would go to churches, and many of the churches that we were preaching and teaching in, we'd been teaching and preaching in those same churches for 10 to 15 years. So, I mean, you know, just, just I pretty much understood and knew, you know, you go to this church and you do a Sunday through Wednesday, uh, you know, and do two services a day, and the crowd, and you know the church and the pastor. Yeah, you'll get, you know, you'll get a $25 to $3,500 check, and praise God, we, glow, we thank God for it. Now, this church over here, it's a little bigger, and they give it a little more, so you might get, get $5,000 for a, for a week's worth of preaching. But see, back then, we had a staff, we had, we had a building note we had to pay, we had all kinds of things we were doing, so it wasn't just going right in our pocket. But then just like you flipped a switch, this church over here we were going to, we've been going there for years. Next thing you know, instead of the offering being $2,500, it's $25,000. We're like, what in the world? I mean, I'd go over to Europe and come back with no money. Remember that? For year, after year, after year, after year. I'd go to Europe and pay my own way, and, and they'd receive offerings and give them to me, but it, it wouldn't cover nothing. I'd come back with no money. And then I, I took a trip over to Europe, I believe in around 2000 Came back, I had $21,000 in cash. I'm like, where did this come from? I preached at another church. You know, and they, they used to give this a church out in California. It's a larger church, and I'd preach maybe uh, uh, three or four services for them, get uh, a check for maybe seven or $8,000. They gave me a check, and it was $36,000. So it was, it was church after church after church after meeting, all this money. Well, we didn't just hold all that and hold it up and, and store it up. We just started giving it out. We just started giving it out. We started sowing it here, sowing it there, sowing it here, sowing it there, blessing our staff, doing this, doing that, setting up crusades. Just, just kept it moving, kept it going, kept it moving, kept it going, kept it going. Didn't let it stop. Didn't let it get stagnant. Didn't let it become our master. More money than we'd ever had. Leah was not in business. She was working as our administrator. She'd been working as our administrator since 96. This was in 2000. More money than we'd ever seen in our lives. More money than we'd ever had. But we just got it in, got it in, got it in, got it going back out. Got it going back out. Got it moving. Kept it moving. Kept it flowing. Did not let it become our master. Did not let it set up a place in our lives where we were secure in it. We wanted our security to be in God because he was our source. Those churches and all those offerings, that's just a resource. That's all it is. The partners that were supporting our ministry, that was just a resource. God was our source. Anytime you're focused on your source, you're unlimited in what you can receive. But when you start looking at your resource, your job, your business, the money that comes from your investments, whatever it is that you're living on, and you're looking at that, I guarantee you the enemy knows how to make you fearful and use through fear that tactic to get you under the headship of money so that money becomes your master. Now here's some indications. I was studying this this week. Number one, when money's your master, it controls you. 
It controls your emotions. You got it? You don't? Amen? I mean, it controls the way you feel. You got it? You feel all right. Yeah, man, bills are paid. Got a few bucks left. Maybe I can go to Jack in a Box tonight. Amen? You don't have it? You're, you're worried. You don't feel good. Amen? It is a controlling force because it is your master. Secondly, this is inter interesting. It dictates to you. It tells you what you can and cannot do. You can't go on that missions trip. You can't sow into that, into that crusade in Africa. You can't sow into the orphanage in, in Kenya. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't have Christmas. You can't go on vacation. You can't. It dictates. Listen, when money's dictating to you, it is your master. Now, listen, you don't, this does not change. We're talking about mindsets and characters. This does not change overnight. You've got to work on this. You've got to, you've got to isolate one area and fix it. And then isolate another area and fix and work on it. And isolate another area and speak to it and release your faith. And tell the devil, you're not going to allow money to be my master. It's not going to happen. I will be money's master. It will not be my master. Some of you have never been on a vacation. You ought to start confessing, I'm going on vacation. You go get you a brochure of some place you want to go. You set that up on your counter. You pray over it every night. You sow some money toward it and believe God. Some of you have never been on a missions trip. You ought to just start finding a place you want to go. If you want to go to uh, Central America, to Africa, to Asia, anywhere you want to go, you get you a brochure. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a missionary. You can go be a part of their, of their work. You, you begin to confess, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. You've got to make a decision to break that mindset of money being your master and telling you what you can and cannot do. Something you want to buy. It may be something ridiculous. You may laugh, but you'd be surprised how it'll break the back of money over your life. Something, you, you get a picture of it. You set it up there. You say, I'm going to buy that in Jesus' name. I'm going to buy it if i got to put it on layaway and pay on it for 50 years. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to break the back of money over my life. It's not going to tell me what I can and cannot have. It's not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. Because if money controls you, then the question will always be, can I afford it? When money does not control you, the question will be, can I receive it? Mm-mm-mm. It will cause you to live a life of limitations. And you will always live in regret. I wish I'd have had. I wish I'd have had. I wish I'd have done. I wish this. I wish that. Listen, understand something, folks. You've got a resource. God is your source. If you've got a resource... If your resource is as limited as minimum wage at McDonald's, you ought to thank God that he's given some seed to the sower. Because you can take the limited resource of a minimum wage and begin to plant it and begin to speak the word and begin to thank God for it and begin to glorify God and begin to make plans and begin to understand how this system works and it will break the back of money over your life and next thing you know, you'll own a McDonald's. 
It will motivate you. It will inspire you. Your work is unto the Lord. You'll be promoted up the ladder. Favor will be upon your life. You'll have wisdom in all that you do. You'll be, listen, you'll be like Daniel. You'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You'll be like Joseph in Egypt. People will see the favor of God upon you. I mean, Joseph went from the prison to the palace in a day. One day. One day. That's all it took. You say, why? He was positioned. We'll get into some of that as we teach. When money's not your master, you stay focused on Jesus instead of worrying about money. It's easy to stay focused on Jesus when money's not your master. The devil get in your mind and say, you're not going to pay your bills. You're not going to have enough money, uh, enough money for Christmas or groceries or Easter or anything else. You say, devil, you're a liar. I'm listening to this teaching on faith today. I'm listening to this teaching on this. And you know, it causes you not to fear so much. If you were to, to, to do a survey of the most prevalent need at Island Church, the most prevalent need would not be physical, it would be financial. Most people, if you said, if you need a miracle tonight, in what area of your life would you receive a miracle? Most people say, in my finances. I need it in my, I need it in my finances. When Jesus taught us that it's the least of all the blessings that God gives. And the easiest to receive and operate in. Isn't that interesting? When you're the master, instead of money telling you what you can or cannot do, you tell your money what it can or cannot do. See how it turns the tables? I remember the first time Jesus, the first time the Lord spoke to me to do a crusade in Hawaii, our budget, we, we just kind of quickly budgeted what it would cost to, to uh, bring a team over there to do this, to that. Of course, we had people believe in God for their tickets to go and all this, but our budget was around $30,000. And I thought to myself, now what in the world would God speak to me to do something like that for? And when he knows uh, $30,000 in that amount of time, that's about as impossible as splitting the Red Sea. But the Red Sea did split. See, when you stay in the Word, you always have a different perspective. So we just begin. Remember, we made the confession. Here was our confession. When we get on the plane, every bill will be paid. So we got our team confessing that. When we get together and plan, get together and pray. I think we sent a couple over there uh, a week before we got there. They did some prelim work, stuff like that. But when we got on the plane, every bill was paid. Every bill was paid. We had a beautiful... Uh, uh, ministers, what, what was it? We did a breakfast, remember that? In this beautiful, they call it a lanai. It's like, a, it's like this uh, a porch area overlooking this beautiful garden, Pacific Ocean in the background. And we paid for that whole thing. And those preachers and people, nobody had ever done anything like that for them. They were isolated. Nobody ever cared about them. Nobody ever went there. Nobody thought. And we, we, they laid out, that hotel, they laid out this beautiful breakfast, all these flowers, all this. And people would just, they would just walk in like they were going into Disneyland or something. Just looking around. And it was such a blessing to give that. Because that's what we did. We gave it. That year when we went, I think we had, our, our group was what, 30-something people. And we had another 30 that came. So there were 60 of us. 
And people thought, well, you know, that was a failure. The next year, Lee and I went back by ourselves and packed out the high school auditorium. And there were people that came then that thought when we came before, those people are crazy. But when we came back the next year, they were there. They were there because they wanted to meet the people that would be daring enough to come to an area nobody would come to and give something. Well, if we would not have given, it was our gift to them that opened the door. And that door remains open to this day. Some 20-something years, it's remained open. So when you make a decision to be the master and not money the master, you don't consider prices because it's, whether, it's not whether you can afford it or not. It's whether you can receive it or not. You don't choke in your giving. When God tells you give it all, you don't even hesitate. All right, Lord, I'll give it all. I'll give it all. I'll, I'll empty this bank account. I'll sell this stock. If you're telling me to do that, I will do it. You listen for the voice of God to tell you when to strategically sow. You're not intimidated by the ups and downs or trends of the world system. You stay focused on your source, understanding that resources come and go. Come and go. You recognize that every time you sow, you're sowing the word, and the word always reproduces after its own kind. And your giving stays consistent. And then as the years go by, your receiving becomes as consistent as your giving. Now let me, let me close with this. How's my time? When I came back to the Lord, 1984, that's 29 years ago. Be 30 years ago this coming March in, in 2014. Be 30 years. I earned a living. And I worked hard, and I never made ends meet. Never. And I worked, and I stole. <laughs> and I did everything I could do. And I lied, and I cheated. I had scams going on. I had this going on, that going on. And I worked hard. I mean, Alan and I, we worked down on the waterfront. I mean, you go stack those 140-pound sacks of flour in August, 10 or 12 days in a row. Do that 10 hours, and then come back and work four hours at night stacking 100-pound sacks of rice. That's, man, that's hard work, man. That's hard. We did that. That was in 1980 when there was a big heat wave that hit. And some, several of those ships we worked in, it was 130 degrees down the hose of those ships. We'd work hour after hour. Then, then I, I worked offshore. Man, that was hard work. Then I worked in the cable TV field. Man, climbing those poles, dragging that equipment up there, doing all that kind of stuff. And listen, I worked and I got a paycheck and then I spent it and that's it. It's gone. And I'd work, and I'd get a paycheck, and I'd spend it, and I was in that world system, and I wasn't getting no traction, I wasn't getting ahead, I couldn't make ends meet. I mean, I, nothing, nothing was working. There was nothing that was working. Great frustration. That's how the whole world is today. The whole world is caught up in that. And you work, and you earn, and you work, and you earn, and you work, and you earn, and you work, and your whole life is caught up in that. And then I came back to the Lord, and, and, and I remember one of the first temptations that came. A man came to me and said, if you will, I will give you a contract. Back then, most of the hotels did not have cable TV in it, so they were going to give me $100 per room. I could pick the place on the planet where I wanted to go. They had hotels on six continents. I could go to Hawaii, I could go to Indonesia, I could go to the Philippines, I could go to Australia. $100 per room. So you take a $400 room hotel, that's some money. Because all you got to do is go in and pre-wire those things, hook it to the main line and cut it on. 
You probably do a 400-room hotel in two weeks. So that, they were talking about money. So I knew, I knew, I knew. Here I was back to the Lord for about three weeks. I knew this is not God. Because if I follow the money, if I follow the money, I'm going to end up right back where I was before I got, in, got out of what I was into. Are you with me? So I had to make a decision. What am I going to do? So I thought, I can't do it. I turned it down. I said, I can't do it. And that's when God began to deal with me about going to Bible school. And I thought, well, how am I even going to go to Bible school? I don't have a job. And the Lord spoke to me in prayer and said this to me. You'll never work in the secular world again. You'll live by the gospel and you'll live by the word. And I thought, yeah, right. That's easy for you to say. Amen. Anybody ever been there? And I'm like, what am I going to do? And so at that time, I began to attend, this is right before Bible school, Lakewood Church. And the problem with going to Lakewood Church was, if you ever went there with any money in your pocket, you left without it. Anybody remember those old days back in the late uh, 70s, the early 80s? I mean, Brother Osteen, I, he didn't ever pull for money. He never said anything about money. He got up and took a simple offering, usually quoted John 3.16, said, let's receive the offering. But there was just something going on there. You just, man, you just put it all in the offering. And Bible school started in September. And so we had Brother Copeland come, and Brother Copeland preached for four hours. And Brother Osteen had to sit on him. How many remember them old, them old uh, uh, metal chairs they had? 5,000 of those old metal chairs. And Brother Osteen had to sit on those metal chairs for four hours. And he got up on Sunday morning and said, the metal chairs are gone, and we're going to put theater seating in the building. Because I didn't realize how much you people were suffering sitting on those metal chairs until Brother Copeland came and preached for four hours. So they were 75 bucks a piece, $75 a piece. And so he said, now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna buy 2,500 of them. It's going to cut our seating in half, but we're going to go to two services on Sunday because they had 5,000 people every service. He said, now how many, by, 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 uh, how many fingers you put up, how many are going to buy chairs and put up uh, fingers for how many chairs you're going to buy? Well, next thing I know, I'm looking at my hand with two fingers, I'm going... That's 150 bucks. I'm like, how, now how am I going to do that? And so I begin to pray and I begin to look into the Word of God. Now, of course, I'd go out and do a little meeting here and get a $50 check, $25 check. I remember one time I went and preached at one church three times. They didn't give me nothing. They sent my dad $25. <laughs> and he kept it. But I made a decision. I made a decision. I'm going to pay that vow. I'm going to do it. I put my hands up. I said two chairs. And in Jesus' name, I'm going to have two chairs. And so what was amazing was, is in one particular, I went to a full gospel business meeting. I wasn't even the speaker. And a man walked up to me and said, God told me to give you this. And it was $100. Well, there was one chair and $25 left over. So I, bought, I paid for one chair, paid the tithe out of it, and had some money to go to Dots. Anybody been to Dots? Get a big piece of strawberry pie, $3.99. That's what we'd do on the way home from Lakewood. Or go to Nymphus if it was still open. Amen. 
And then it wasn't a couple of weeks later, just a couple of weeks later, and somebody else walked up to me and gave me another $100. And just like that, I saw something. I thought, I didn't earn this. I didn't work. I didn't climb a pole. I didn't stack flour or rice. I didn't, I didn't drill no well or carry no mud sacks up from the hole of a ship. This money just came to me. And I saw how the kingdom operated. And it, the light went off in my mind of that, well, what I get, what comes in through, through preaching or, 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 or doing some little job, because I do little jobs here and there, help somebody cut some trees one time, did some landscaping one time, did this and that. I just never went back to work in the secular world at, at a job, never did take a job. But when money would come, then I would tell that money what it was going to do. You're going to go into the offering as my tithe. You're going to go into the offering as my seed. You're going to reproduce after your own kind. You're going to meet the need and provide more seed. And we started real small. Lee and I started the same way, real small, real small. And in a year, it grew just a little bit. And in another year, it grew a little bit more. And another year, it grew a little bit more. Another year, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. The next thing you know, I think it was about a four or five year period where Leah and I, after four or five years, were giving that year as much as we made the first year we were married. Now, we give as much in a month. We give as much in a month as we used to make in a month. Amen. Actually, more than that. And we give now. Now, I'm not going to tell you how much we give, but my giving is in the five-figure range headed for six figures. And I recognize every time I get from a resource, which is what my resource today is the salary I receive from being the pastor of Island Church. I don't go out and do jobs. I don't go out. Now, if I go out and preach, which I do very selectively, and not very often at all, then that's mine. That's mine. I tithe on it. I offer on it. Do something special with it. But then just the regular income of my life, number one, I put God first in everything I do. I tithe. I offer. We pay our bills. We pay our taxes. We meet our obligations. Pay our insurance, things like that. I know of a particular pastor, he had a staff of about 30 people. And the Lord spoke to him and said, your staff is messed up. So he gathered his entire staff. And he said, everybody pull out your insurance card for your car. So they all pulled out their insurance card for their car. He fired 11 people that day that did not have insurance on their car. You say, why? That's irresponsible. See, when money is not your master, you'll always be responsible. But when it's your master, it'll tell you you can't tithe. It'll tell you you cannot offer. It'll tell you you cannot pay your car insurance. It'll tell you you cannot have medical insurance. It'll, it'll tell you you cannot go on vacation. It'll tell you all kinds of nasty things to try to keep you in bondage to it. But when you become the master over your money, you'll say, you're a liar, devil. I will tithe. I will offer. I will meet my obligation. I will pay my taxes. I will have insurance. I will have all the things that I need, and I will go on vacation. And you're a liar and I will go on that missions trip and I will be a part of that meeting and I will do this and I will do that. And you will not be bound by mammon. Amen. 
that you're serving. Because if it's your master, you have to bow your knee to it. And it'll control you. But if it's your master, it has to bow its knee to you. And you will control it. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and thank God. Father, we thank you that our treasure is in heaven. That we lay up treasure in heavenly places for souls, for buildings, for orphanages, for missions work, for teenagers, for children, for all that we do, Heavenly Father. We declare your system works. We thank you, Father. We're entering into a season here at Island Church of unprecedented favor. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you to come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045, Tuesday prayer, 730, Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.